Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Church. All right, let's get to the word of God. Uh, I honestly feel really, really, really clear on my assignment and instructions today. So grab your Bible and go back to the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. Speaking about being clear on my assignment, did Caleb hold it down last week or what? I'm just, I just want to be clear. Like, I just want to be clear the brother held it down. And he look, he's sitting cool too. He look all chill over here. Like he wasn't nervous last week. But uh, man, shout out to Caleb. And shout out, can we give Adriani the same love? The same love. Amen. I am, um, I am so proud of Caleb and Adriani. Y'all may not know this. I think he expressed it. I watched both sermons, but y'all may not know this. He, um, I gave him like literally less than 24 hours before he had to get up here and preach two services. And yet, man, I know sometimes they're like, oh, you know, that's what preachers do. But it is, it is not easy to preach a sermon, a 40-minute sermon, and then to do it twice, especially when you really care about the Word of God. You want to handle it with care and precision. And so there's a weight that comes along with it. And um, when I called him, I had, that, I had that deep, very white, sick voice. And I, and I called him, and he, he, didn't even, he didn't even make it a long process. He was like, I got you. We good. We straight. And to see him get up here and preach and Adriana just support him in the way she, she did last week is just incredible. So let's give some love to them one more time, y'all. Amen. And let's encourage them. Y'all don't know how long, how far uh, encouragement goes. And so let's make sure we encourage them. You know, the Bible says outdo one another with showing honor. So let's show honor and, 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 and let's love on them. All right, let's, let's go. Jeremiah 1. Won't you pick me up in verse, in verse 4? I just want you to note also before we dig into the text, look at the inscription above this specific passage. Verse 4, it says the call of Jeremiah. At least my ESV Bible says that, the call of Jeremiah. Check it out. Verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then uh, then I said, this is Jeremiah speaking, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all of whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. Please underline these next few words, for I am with you. To deliver you, declares the Lord. Verse 9, then the Lord put out his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, you are only as great as God using you. Can you do me a favor just look at somebody? Because somebody, you know, next to you is kind of feeling themselves. Like really tell them you are only as great as God using you. If, if I could change it a little bit, look, look at somebody else and just say, you're only a vibe if God is using you. Just, just be clear. Got to be clear about this. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, as we open up your word, we do so with humility. We open up your word. We pray that you would open up our hearts. 
pray that you would open up our minds that we may receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save our souls. Show us Christ today. Lord, the last thing we need is a gospelless expounding on nothing. In fact, the last thing we need is just some good self-help that is void of the gospel. We need Jesus today. So, Father, would you show us him in this ancient passage? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are only as great as God using you. Um, I don't know if y'all remember back at least two weeks ago, but um, last time I preached, we kind of did the Park Heights strut through the book of Acts. We started in Acts chapter six, and we looked at the seven deacons that were appointed to the church, but we focused, we did a hyper-focus on Stephen. Y'all remember that in Acts chapter six, and we looked at Stephen's life, and then we kind of worked our way all the way up and worked our way to Acts chapter 28, which is where Paul was eagerly desiring to go to Rome, and we was like, Paul wanted to you know, do a work there, and he gets there, and the Bible says that he's greeted by the brothers, which means that there were already people there that were doing the work in which Paul wanted to go and do. And my main thesis last week when I was standing before y'all was that God wanted to use ordinary people. Y'all remember this? We were like, man, God, God's not using the, the, I almost said the big A apostles, but that just didn't feel right in my spirit. God gave, it was almost like, you know, I didn't want us to just look at Paul. I didn't want us to just look at Peter. I didn't, I didn't want us to just, you know, look at M M M Matthias or, or James. I wanted us to look at the ordinary people of scripture because for some reason we bought into the lie that the only people that are on mission and called by God are the people that are up there. And if you're up there, then you're being used by God. But I tried to plead with you guys last week and say, no, it doesn't matter if you're up here or not. God wants to use you and you are just as called as what I'm doing today. Because we think that the only person that is called is the person preaching, but I would argue the sermon stops here at 33 seconds and 50, 33 minutes and 56 seconds, 54, 53, 50. We think that the sermon stops there, but the reality is the sermon continues because you preach it. You preach it Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and you go to work on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and, and then you come back here Sunday, and we get filled up to go back out so that we can become preachers. Ordinary people is what God uses. And granted, yeah, we have different tasks. Granted, yes, we have different responsibilities. We have different assignments. We do not all have the same purpose. And not only that, but let me go deeper. We don't even have the same skills. We all have different skills and we have different talents. God has put in us different giftings. Nevertheless, he uses all of it. It's a hodgepodge of gifts that come together to build two things, his kingdom and also his local church. And what happens is, unfortunately, we don't think we play a part in building the kingdom. We think that other people, the leaders, the deacons, the elders, they're supposed to be running the mission. I just come to church. And I argued last week and said, no, that's, that's not what God wants from us. And I realized that when I left last week, your boy was two weeks ago, I was real excited because I was like, man, I'm, I have expectancy that all of us are going to be on mission. All of us, everybody in the room is going to take part in this thing called mission and we about to kill it. We about to kill it for the kingdom. All of Brooklyn going to be saved because everybody in this room is going to scatter and get back out. And I was so ambitious. And then about Monday, I felt an eager conviction to explain the calling. Why? Because many of you walked out of here two weeks ago and said, Pastor said I'm called, but the reality is you don't feel called. Some of you walked away and said, Pastor said I'm gifted, but I don't feel gifted. Many of you walked away and said, God, uh, Pastor said that I have been set apart for God's use, 
but I don't feel set apart for God's use. Is there anybody that can just be honest, honest in this room that be like, you know what, that's me. I don't, I, you, I hear you, I hear you be, but I'm not, I don't always feel called. I don't always feel like God's hand is on me. I don't feel like I have anything to contribute to this thing called mission. But you got to understand something about God. Even if you don't feel called and even if you don't feel gifted and even if you don't feel set apart or selected with God, there is nothing you can't do. Like sit on that for a second. There is nothing you cannot do with God. And so the person that feels inadequate, if you know that your God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, you'll be able to say, here I am, Lord, send me, I'll go. And that's my goal in this room today is to convince you that God's hand is on you and to crystallize the calling. Now, the passage before us, we're in the book of Jeremiah, and the passage before us, this is Jeremiah's calling and commission to be a prophet. These verses I just read, this is the introduction that we get into Jeremiah. Now, if you know anything about Jeremiah, let me just do a little foundation. If you know anything about Jeremiah, you'll know that Jeremiah is what is called a major prophet. Now, he's not major because he was more significant than the other prophets. There were major prophets. There were minor prophets, minor prophets like, like Jonah or a minor prophet like Amos. Amos. But, but Jeremiah is a, a, a major prophet, and he's not major because of his contribution. He's major because of the length of his book. That's, that's how you break it down. It's the length of his books that make him a major prophet. Now, throughout these 52 chapters of the book, of Jeremiah, what you will see over and over again is Jeremiah, and when I tell you, boy, he had a time with Israel. They were rebellious, they were rambunctious, they were unfaithful, they were not loyal to the Lord. He often had to rebuke them for turning their backs on God. He often had to warn them of oncoming uh, destruction. He had to challenge them for their unfaithfulness, their idolatry, and their immorality. And I would argue, Caleb, that nobody, no prophet, um, prophesied with such strong language like Jeremiah? Like Jeremiah used language that I wouldn't even, I don't even feel comfortable reading. Okay, I'm gonna read it anyway. <laughs> chapter two, chapter two, look at verse 20. I'm just gonna read a couple verses for you. Look at the language that Jeremiah uses when he prophesies. For long ago, I broke your bonds and, and, and I broke your yoke and I burst your bonds, but you said I will not serve. Watch the language. Yes, on every hill and under every green tree, you bow down like a whore. When I read that, I was clutching my pearls like, <laughs> did you say that? Go to, chap go to chapter three. He says, if a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's wife, will he return to her? Would she not, would the land not be greatly polluted? You have played the whore of many lovers. If you go a couple more verses, he says something similar. He says, you have polluted the land with your vile whoredom. I read this and I'm like, yo, Jeremiah, yo, B, you wildin'. You, like you use a language that is not even comfortable for this room. But nevertheless, he was called to do so. And as you read through scripture, I would say that Jeremiah became more bold and more bold. Now he had a heart. Everybody want to be a prophet these days. But he had a like he ran from it and he ran from it because it was a hard it was a hard job. But nevertheless, he was called. And maybe you're not called to be a prophet. Maybe you're not called to, to be up here preaching. Um, but don't get it twisted. Every single one of us have a calling and we have an assignment. And I, I just want to I want to convince you today to take your calling serious. And I want to convince you today to, to, to just be willing to take the step. I think sometimes that's that's the best thing we can do is just be willing. Just be open. 
Don't leave out of here closed up to what God is doing. Take it serious because many of you, even as I'm talking about calling, you're clear on the calling, but you keep saying, I'm in a season of prayerful contemplation. When you're not in a season of prayerful contemplation, you're now in a season of willful disobedience because you know what God has called you to do. He's already spoken. Now, there are some of you in here that need crystallized. You need the, the calling crystallized. But there are some of you in here that know it. And you're sitting and you're sitting. And you'll be like, one day, when you answer all the questions, and one day I'll get there. And one day I'll be obedient. When I become more spiritual, I'll be obedient. And God is like, no, nah, nah, you're just being disobedient. So I, I want to I convince you today. I want you to be willing to take that next step. Pick me back up in verse 4. In verse 4, he says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you to be a prophet of the nations. Look at the two things that he is saying. The first thing he is saying is, before I knew, before you were even thought of or conceived, I already knew you. That's intimacy. And the second thing that he says is, while you were in your mother's womb, before you were born, I consecrated you and I appointed you to be a prophet. I, I, I love that, that, that God does this because what he is saying is, Jeremiah, before you got to the point where you said, thus saith the Lord, you were already called. And if that is true, then that means that Jeremiah did not have the chance to either do good or bad before God called him. And the reason I got to say that is because there's two types of people that are in this room. There are some of you that are prideful and you're like, God should call me. He, does he know how I kill it for him? Does he know what like, my spiritual life is like? And God is like, nah, I can't call you with pride. But the second person is the person that feels like you have made bad decisions that, that you've lived in a season long enough without convictions. Anybody ever been there? I just need honest people today. Where you just kind of in that season, like, I'm going to just do my thing. I'm, I'm going to just do whatever it is that I want to do. And I'm going to live in a season that is free from any type of convictions. But unfortunately, when we live in those seasons long enough, we feel like we've disqualified ourselves from being used and called by God. But if I understand Jeremiah right, Jeremiah was called before he made any decision. Before he did anything good, before he did anything bad. In other words, his calling wasn't predicated on his behavior. Now, don't mess me up here. I'm not sitting here saying, do whatever you want to do and God will still use you. You should honor God with your body. You should honor God with your decisions. You should honor God with your mind. Because sometimes we think just because we ain't having sex that I'm good. And God is like, but your mind is so filthy. Honor God with our minds. But don't you sit there and think that that disqualifies you from being used by God. Because Jeremiah's calling was not predicated on anything good or bad that he was doing. I'm talking to somebody in this room that you've been struggling with your flesh and you feel like it's no way God can call me. You feel like, you feel like that lady. I don't know if y'all seen that video where the, where the lady asked her, you know, can you take a video? And she said, mm-mm, get somebody else to do it. Get somebody else to do it. That's how you feel like with the calling that God has put on you. It's like, it's no way God is calling me. Get her to do it. Get him to do it. And that's what we think. And God is like, no, 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 boo-boo. I'm calling you. Here's why. I called you before you were even thought to be conceived. And I don't care how you were conceived. Let me, let me just be clear. Because some of y'all think back to your mother and father. And you're like, yo, you don't know my parents. My pops was out there. My, my mom's was, she was out there. You know, maybe you were, were, were born in a, in, 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 and mom and dad got together in, in the back of a Honda Civic at the creep spot. I don't know. 
Maybe it was a night full of edibles and bad tie, and God was like, there it is. I, I, don't, I don't know how you were conceived, but here's what I know. It doesn't matter. Because no matter how you were conceived, God was like, I use everything. And so before you were born, I already knew you. That's intimacy. And he says this. I love this language. He says, before you were formed. Somebody say formed. Now, this isn't the first time this word formed was used. This word formed was actually used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It said, then the Lord God formed the man out of dust and and out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the bread of life. David uses it in Psalm 139. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, so that my soul knows it very well. A synonym to form. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. This term formed is so important because it speaks of a potter making clay, making a vessel out of a lump of clay. Do you know how much detail and do you know how much precision and delicacy and creativity that goes into a potter making a vessel. And so what, what that speaks to is it's almost as though God was sitting up because a lot of us think that God just tolerates us. And God is like, before you were even born, I spent time with you. You. And I know we don't, we don't think like that. But out of all the people that live on this earth, God spent time with you the day that you were conceived. He sat there and he was like a potter. And he was making you. And here's what I know. I don't know who I'm talking to in this room. And I don't know what section you were sitting in. But one thing I'm clear about is that there is somebody in here that feels like you are a mistake. You feel like God made a mistake with you. Yo, you, you got the wrong person. You formed the wrong person. I can't contribute anything. But if I understand Jeremiah right, none of us in this room are a mistake. Let me go deeper, Caleb. When God made us, it says that he, 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 he formed us before uh, we were even born. So that means back in Genesis 1, God already knew that you would be here in 2023 and that he was going to put something in you. And here's what he does. When he makes you, the Bible says, Genesis 1.31, he sat back and said, it's good. It's good. And so those of you in this room that feel like you're a mistake, you're not a mistake, it's good. I know you don't feel like you fit in, but it's good. I know you don't feel like you got giftings in you, but it's good. I know you don't feel like this is the season that you should be moving and, and, and moving for him, but it's good. Somebody say, it is good. Everything God makes is good. He did not make a mistake. Now, we broke fellowship with him in Genesis 3, but Genesis 1 and 2, he's like, yo, it's good. Everything I make is good. Only he can celebrate his creation and not be prideful. It's good. So in other words, when you were being made, those of you who have um, singing or musical abilities, if you have singing abilities, when you were being made, God put some extra padding on your vocal cords. Those of you who, who play an instrument or just know music, and could create music, maybe you're a producer, God put in you the ability to hear sounds and make music. Listen, all of us can't sing. All of us can't hear notes. All of us can't bring it together. But if you can, it's because when God was, the potter was making you, he intricately put stuff in you that you need. What about those of you who are in fashion? 
My boy Martel, stand up, Martel. I just want him to see the sweater. Just come on, stand up. Let him see the sweater. Come on, come, come on now. This is my brother right here. Martel is like the mayor of fashion. He knows the industry and knows it well. Listen, when God was creating those of you who are in the room that are into fashion, he put inside of you the unique ability to understand fabrics and understand patterns and understand shapes. Those of you who are in media, those of you who are in tech, he knew that you would need in 2023 the ability to understand technology. And so he put inside of you when you were being uh, woven together in your mother's womb, he put what you needed. Those of you who are in education, those of you who are teachers, he put a whole lot of patience, whole lot of patience in you. Because I just need somebody to back me up. Everybody shouldn't be teaching. They shouldn't be teaching. But God, when he made us, and this is why I say we are not a mistake, because when he made you, he took such precision making you. You know, um, I, I, don't, I don't claim to be a baker, but there's, there's, you know, there's one thing your boy gets down with. I know how to make some scones, some blueberry scones. I, I do, I do, I do. My, my son is in the room. He, he'll, he don't really eat them, but uh, <laughs> my youngest son is upstairs and Ty eats them. I make them all the time. Now, they're, they're really simple to make. But when I make blueberry scones, I follow the recipe to the T. You know why? Because I'm already thinking about sitting and drinking coffee and eating a blueberry scone. So I'm thinking about the whole process and I want to make sure it's right. So I make sure the two cups of flour is in there. I make sure the half a stick of butter is in there. I make sure that, you know, I, I, I use a little zest. So a little, you know, I put a little zest, a little, a little lemon in it. And I, I killed it. I kill it, y'all. I'm just telling y'all. It's pride. But I kill it. I kill it. But when I, when I say to you, I'm thinking about every single ingredient when I put in it. Why? Because I want the outcome to be right. And that's what God did with you. He set up and he said, oh, they're going to need a little bit of this. And they're going to need a little bit of that. And grab that Lowry seasoning salt and put a little bit in there. And they're going to need a little. And he just keeps on forming you. And this is why I say, baby, you're not a mistake. He actually took time with you. Took his time. And so Jeremiah, he says, look. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I already knew you. Oh, but when you actually were conceived, I appointed you to be a, uh, to be a prophet. I formed you. I, I knew you. I was intimate with you. I was well acquainted with you. I, I called you. I created you. And then I said it was good. Why? Because I don't make mistakes. And I don't know why I'm sticking on this point, but there's somebody in here that's being freed up and you're gaining a little bit more boldness in the Lord. Because you walked in here and you feel like a mistake, but God is going to reverse that thing. He formed you. Watch Jeremiah's response back to him. Now, this is a bit comical to me because the God of the universe just came to Jeremiah and called him. And watch what he says back in verse six. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak for I am only a youth. Can I stick with five words here? I do not know how. Stop there for a second. Because I feel like that's most of the room in here, that God calls you and we go back to him, we regurgitate, regurgitate back to him those five words, God, I know you call me, but I do not know how. And you feel inadequate and you feel like the calling is too big and you feel like it's not something that you should be doing. Do you realize that this is Jeremiah's first words? Like you get 52 chapters of Jeremiah prophesying. In fact, he gives us such lofty, deep theology and even prophesies Christ. 
Look at what he says later on in the, in the book, Jeremiah 17, 9, 9. He talks about the depravity of our hearts. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We have parsed, Greek, uh, uh, parsed Hebrew on this, and we have come up with this, 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 this uh, doctrinal term called total depravity. And we, we're like, man, we got to figure out this verse, and how does that work with other verses? Why? Because Jeremiah knew how to talk. He says later on, Jeremiah 23, he prophesies about the coming of Christ. He said, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up from David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In the days of Judah, they will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is uh, the name by which we shall, uh, he shall be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah said that. Jeremiah also says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans that I have toward you, declares the Lord. They are plans of welfare and, and, and not evil, for you have a future and expected end. That same Jeremiah that is able to prophesy Christ and able to talk to us about the depravities of our heart and tell us to have hope in Jeremiah 29, that same Jeremiah starts his mission by saying, I don't know how. How? Me? You, you, you must not know, like, you, you don't know that I don't have the connections? God doesn't, God doesn't know that I, I, don't, I don't have the actual right resume for this? Does he, does he know that God, like, I don't feel equipped for the task? I just don't know how. Does he know that I don't have the money? Because you know that one hinders us a lot, right? We feel like there's no way I can do accomplish what God uh, wants me to do as though God is held back by a bank account. I'm going to mess you up. There has never, ever been a time in my life where I felt fully funded in the, in the calling that God put on my life. Never, never, ne never. I'm looking at never. I've never felt fully confident that God was going to fund it. But somewhere deep inside, I was like, if he did it before. See, sometimes that's all you got to lean on. God, I know you provided before, so I know you will do it again. I feel my tie tribute coming on. If he did it before. He can do it again. I'm telling you, those of you in, in here that are waiting to have all the answers and waiting to have the funding, you will always be held back because God doesn't always just drop the stack. He drops dibbles and dabbles. And you know why he does that? Because he wants you to be dependent the whole process. The whole process. The reason we in here, and I'll be like, and I'll be begging y'all, be going, yo, we, we need resources. 23 and 23, like we, be, like we need money, we need money. And I'm not afraid to say that, but the reason that I do that is because I'm really inviting you to participate in what God is already going to fund. Because whether you give a dollar or not, God going to fund this thing. That's, I'm just confident in that. That's, that's what he does. And so when he, I love the way Ed says it, if it's God's will, then it's God's bill, and it's true. It's true. And so... Jeremiah's like, look, I don't know how. Well, what don't you know how to do, Jeremiah? Keep just, I don't know how to speak. Okay, what else, Jeremiah? I am too young. I'm only a youth. Now, you know what's crazy? God doesn't slip in another verse and be like, oh, you're right. What was I thinking? Let me get somebody else older, you know, somebody that actually knows how to speak. Yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't do any of that. In fact, he ignores him and he keeps on going. This is why I said some of you feel that the calling on your life, you feel inadequate. Now, now Caleb, I'm just throw you out there for a second. Caleb preached last week, but y'all don't know how many times, it's actually a little bit annoying. Y'all don't know how many times Caleb be like, Pastor B, I just don't feel, I, I feel too young. 
Did you not tell me that? I feel too young. I feel too young. I feel too young. I feel too young. And I'm reading Jeremiah and Jeremiah felt the same thing that Caleb feels. But you know what? Yeah, you are too young. Yeah, Jeremiah is too young. No, Jeremiah, you don't know how to speak. But with God, nothing is impossible. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And so God never calls you because of skill and age. He calls you because of calling and character. Can I preach to this room? He doesn't call you because of your age and your skill set. He didn't bring you on a team because he thought you added value to it. He brought you on a team knowing that you don't add value without him. I feel like I need to say the name of the, 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 the sermon topic again. You are only as great as God using you. If God would leave you, you would fall flat on your face every time. Let me go deeper. If God left me for 30 seconds in the midst of this sermon, I would be on Kev on stage by this afternoon and church will last by tomorrow afternoon. Just 30. If God was like, yo, I'm going to give you 30, man. You're going to go out there and do your own thing. I would fall flat. I'd probably be cussing. I'd probably be, uh, I'm serious. I'd probably be up here wilding. I'd probably be out of doctrine. I'd probably be all over the place. But when God puts his hand on you, you move mountains. God puts his hands on you. You call demons out. When God puts his hands on you, everybody on your block can get saved. And this is why I said get on mission because not because you're so great or you have so much skill and to bring to the table. Get on mission because God knows how to use all of us. He says, I'm too young. You know what I felt in the first service? And I kind of feel it in this room as well. Some of you, your testimony is not I'm too young. For some of you, your testimony is the opposite. It's still age, but it's I feel past my prime. God can't call me. I see those heads nodding. I get, God, how you call me? Do you know how past the prime I am? You know, I missed the window. I missed that block. It's, it's no way. I can't get into all this technology and I can't get into this. But you're not past your prime. If God, if God can take Sarah's dead womb at 90 and birth, not a child, a nation. And think about Sarah. Even she was like, yo, Abraham dried up. That's what she said. And God is able to not just open her womb, but, but, but make sure that the things is flowing for, for, for Abraham. God can use you. If God can take, don't miss this, Daniel and use him well into his 80s. Well into his 80s. If God can take Daniel, don't tell me God can't use you. And for those of you who are like, I'm, I'm too young. If God can take uh, uh, Jeremiah, if God can use a, a little boy named David, if God can use a young girl named Esther, if God can take a virgin by the name of Mary and use her, don't tell me God can't use you. Without him, you would fall flat. But with him, baby, it's nothing I can't do. Nothing I can't do. Because God often calls you for, to stuff that's bigger than you. You know that feeling of inadequacy? Y'all know that feeling I'm talking about? I'm, oh man. I don't know how to say this to y'all, but it never goes away. It never goes away. You know, people ask me all the time, yo, Pastor B, when you preach, like, do you feel nervous every Sunday? It is why I get up at 5.30 in the morning and I pray and I seek the Lord and I read my word. The reason I get up at 5.30 ain't because I'm so spiritual and it's not because I'm so disciplined. Don't get it twisted. The reason I get up is because I know that the task that is before me on Sunday morning is bigger than me. And so I sit under the will of God and I sit under the weight of God and I say, God, if you don't use me, I'm going to mess up today. If you don't use me, I'm going to just run out of words. I've seen people stand up in the pulpit and go... I don't know what to say. I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. 
Don't tell me that God can't shut you up whenever he wants to. But with him, things happen. And I just want to build up your confidence today because there are so many of you in here that are still in those first five words. I don't know how. How, 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 do, how, how God? Without him, yes, you would fail. Yes, without him, it's impossible. Yes, without him, you're a hot mess. But with him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With him, I am able to fulfill my purpose. Why? Because your only is great. Y'all kind of vibed off the last one. You're only a vibe if God uses you. Don't let your lack of stop you. Let it fuel you to be dependent on the Lord. Now watch this. So God calls him. God says, listen, when I called you, this is, this is before you were conceived. And then in your mother's womb, I put some stuff in you that is going to give you the ability to accomplish my will. But then Jeremiah says back to him, I can't do it. Now, what does God say back to Jeremiah? I love the conversation. In verse seven, he says, the Lord said to me, do not say that I'm only a youth. For to all of whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. And do not be afraid of them. This is going to birth some real, real, real confidence in this room. Here it is. For I am with you. To deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand out and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I love these words. I am with you. Because Jeremiah is like, I can't do it. And God is like, bro, shut up. You're going to do it. Because when I'm going to send you, you're going to go. And when I tell you to speak, you're going to speak. And I know you don't feel confident, but what does God do in verse 9? He stretches out his hand and he touches his mouth. That should breed confidence in this room. If that doesn't breed confidence, this should. He says, I'm with you. Why would you not, why would you not feel confident with a God that says, I'm with you? God is like, what can't you do? I can do it. What is too hard for you? It's not hard for me. What is impossible for you? It's not impossible for me. Remember Abraham asked the question, is there anything too hard for God? Can I answer it this morning? Absolutely not. There's nothing too hard for God. And the only thing that fueled Jeremiah, because you don't see Jeremiah go back and forth with God no more. After this verse, God's like, no, shut up. I'm going to send you. You're going to go. You're going to speak. I'm going to touch your mouth. He doesn't go back and be like, oh, but I still can't. He doesn't do that. You know why? Because the proximity to God was all he needed. And he was reminded of these words. Watch this. He was reminded of these words. I am with you. And it fueled him. He would have remembered Joshua 1.5. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will not leave you nor forsake you. He would have remembered the words that were in Exodus 3, 12. He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. Remember Judges chapter 6. He would have remembered Judges 6, 16. The Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you will strike the Midianites as one man. Please write this down. The promise of success is found in the proximity of God's presence. Please write that down. I will say it again. The promise of success is found in the proximity of God's presence. I don't know why you're not writing. I'm serious. The promise of success. Like you think success is because you, got, you went to school. You think success is because you actually do got the connections. That's not success. The only way you'll find success in what God is calling you to do is the proximity of his presence. In other words, we can only do for God what we can do with God. That's, 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 that's it. So I'm going to end by simply saying, be confident. Be bold. Be courageous. Pray for courage. Why? Because God is 
with you, failure is not an option, not when you got God. It's not, I can't even fathom how I can't succeed when I got God. And that's the confidence that you need in this room, is that if God is with me, it's no way I'm not going to be able to accomplish this. And I think some of you, remember I said, I don't, I don't think everybody in this room is going to walk out fully convinced. But here's what I know. Some of you, the biggest thing right now that you can do is just be willing. That's, that's all I ask today, is just be open and be willing. That's because the, you think the hardest thing for God is the mission or the stumbling blocks that are ahead of you. That's not the hardest thing for God. The hardest thing for God is for him to convince you that he called you. That's the hardest thing. Let me say that again. The hardest thing for God is not the thing in front of you. The hardest thing for God is for him to convince you that he is with you. So he says, look, I'm not going to leave you. Proof that I'm not going to leave you? I'm going to stretch out my hand. I'm going to touch your mouth. Why am I going to touch your mouth? Because you said I can't speak. Oh, I forgot something. Let me do this real quick. In verse 4, I love this. In verse 4, it says, now the word of the Lord came to me. You should, that should breed confidence right there. Because sometimes we think that we put ourselves on the team. Or sometimes we think that we conjured up the, the calling ourselves. Or we think the affirmations of our friends saying, girl, you know how to sing, or girl, you know how to do this. We think those are the things that, 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 that pulled us into the calling. But if I understand verse 4, the word of the Lord is why you were called. God came to you. God sought you. God wanted you. Here's how I know that this should breed some, some type of confidence in this room. Because one thing I know about God's word is, it does not return void. If God said it, he can back that thing up. If God said it, he knows how to make sure that his will is accomplished. Here's the greatest proof of it. The greatest proof that the word doesn't come back void and that the word of the Lord came to me is the word of the Lord coming to us in flesh. Can I slip gospel here? John chapter 1 verse 14 is very, very, very clear. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory as from the son, from the father, full of grace and truth. The, the, the proof to me that I can accomplish God's calling is that the word of the Lord came to me, but the proof that the word of the Lord actually does come to me is Jesus Christ. Because God said, I'm going to send somebody. Jeremiah prophesied it. God said, I'm going to send somebody that's going to wipe away all their sins. And you know what he does? He actually sends them and he actually wipes away my sin. If the cross is true, there is nothing that I can't do. I believe him. I trust him. So I want to end. Play something soft here. I, I want to end by, by praying for somebody in the room that really does lack confidence. Somebody in the room that just doesn't feel enough. They don't feel like they're enough. That they don't feel qualified. There's even somebody in this room that doesn't feel seen. You feel like you're standing in a room full of people and you're yelling at the top of your lungs and you feel like you're just unseen. There's somebody else in here that doesn't feel fulfilled. I think it's Auntie Karen Clark that told us that. Safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. Some of you that don't feel fulfilled, you know why you don't? Because you're not in the will of God. We're making excuses and we're, we're trying to do everything but what God has called us to do. And can I say this real quick? <sighs> to accomplish the calling of God doesn't mean you have to quit your job and go into full-time ministry. In fact, I think the opposite is true. 
I think God might call some of you off your job to go into full-time ministry, and I hope he does, but there's a whole bunch of us in here that God is going to accomplish more while you're still on the job. God is going to accomplish more while you're actually working through the business. God is going to accomplish more as you are working on that entrepreneurial path toward to owning some type of business. God can accomplish so much. So don't feel like you got to come off your job. Just feel like, God, you got to use me wherever I am. You know why? Because there's lost people at my job. I need somebody to say amen that really has lost people. God, you can use me where I am. Why? Because there's lost people in my family. Somebody in here that feels like you're a mistake. Like God messed up. Can I pray for us? If that's you, if you would say that's me, uh, Pastor B, I, I, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like God can really use me. I hear you and I agree, but I just don't feel like it's me. Bars. Can you come up? If that's you, if you feel like, I feel like a mistake, I don't feel adequate. I don't feel confident. I don't feel like God is going to use me. That's you. Can you come up so I can pray for you? Thank you, Cassandra. Come on up. Come on up. Thank you, Lauren. Come on up. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your boldness. I, oh man, like, Lord, I, I, I really want to be used by you. I genuinely do. I just don't, I don't feel like you actually called the right person. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming up. Is there anybody else? Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you, brother. Thank you for coming up. I see you coming. I'm going to hold it for a few more minutes. I'm going to hold it for a few more minutes. Can y'all do me a favor? Just as a sign of surrendering to the will of God, can y'all just lift your hands? Worship team, y'all come on up. Lift your hands. And those of you who are in your seats, if you could just point your hands this way. Father, we're just here being honest. That we don't always feel like you are with us. You said it here, that you are with us and you'll deliver us and you'll, you'll anoint us for the journey. And But Lord, just real, just be us being real, we don't feel like that. We feel like you often overlook us. And we feel like you often did not, you called the wrong person and you, you, you put the wrong stuff in us and it makes us feel out of place and we can't flow, we can't fit. But Lord, you never called us to fit in. You never called us to that. You've called us to something greater. And Lord, those of, those of the, the, the folks that are on this altar that are saying, I'm past my prime or I'm too young or I'm not qualified. I just don't have that. I don't have what it takes. Lord, this time next year, would you build a testimony? This is not hyperbole. I see prophets on this altar. I see leaders on this altar. I see deacons and elders and I see families being saved because the people on this altar are surrendering to the will of you. So Father, as we surrender, oh God, would you, would you give us the confidence we need and let the confidence be one trial that we're able to overcome and we can look back and say, I remember when he did. Lord, let that be the testimony that we would remember that you are faithful and that you are good and that you are kind. Father, give us endurance to be able to run this race well. We do not want to run this race without you. But Father, when we finally get to the destination called mission, Lord, I pray that you would beat us there. That you would beat us there, oh God. And remind us of why you called us. Lord, we don't have to, 
we get to. And we thank you for the privilege of participating in this thing called mission. Anoint us. Consecrate us. The same way you are touching Jeremiah's mouth, put your hand on us now. Lay your hands on us now. Lay your hands on us now. Lay your hands on us now. Right now, we need a touch from you. Lay your hands on us now. And I'm not just praying for those that are on this altar, but in our seat, lay your hands on us now, God. Because we need one touch. And if you give us one touch, we will move from saying, I don't know how, to writing 52 chapters for you, for your glory and for your honor. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name get the glory. Somebody say amen. amen. Can y'all do me a favor? When y'all go back to your seat, y'all just walk with a little bit more swag. Amen. Because the Spirit of God is with you and on you. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to move into a time of communion. Communion is a time we get to celebrate and remember what Jeremiah prophesied would come, which is the Messiah. Once you get our, our welcome team is walking around now and they're bringing, they're bringing a symbol of the blood in the body of Jesus Christ. Once you get one, if you could just hold it and stand up, let's worship together. Look, I know y'all going out to brunch. Oh, we got a meeting. Let's have a meeting real quick and then y'all go out to brunch. But do me a favor, just hold it for a second. Let's worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as Jesus is the center. Let's worship him and then we'll take communion together.